Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. to another episode of Event Brew. I'm here with two of my favorite brew crew members and a special guest. This is Tui Deep though first with PRA Business Events. This is Dustin Wessling, your token Canadian from One West Events. Coming from Cleveland, Ohio, this is Nick Borelli from Borelli Strategies and our guest. Oh yeah, our guest for today. He's from my favorite a city state in in the u.s and it's dun, dun, dun. kevin white from xpl up in boston massachusetts yeah kevin okay Woo. so tradition before we start what are we all drinking start with our guest what's yeah. in your uh, cup kev he- heavy heavy fuel like diesel. Oh, there's no matter what you say, it can't be as embarrassing as what I say every week. So, unless it's vodka, <laughs> and it's 9 a.m. It's it's no, I, I, I embarrassingly I don't drink in the morning. Um, just anything, just just consume liquids. Sure, okay, that's <laughs> that that's a I guess that's an option. Uh, huh, we'll, ba- I, we'll balance it out with next drink. Yeah, I'm I'm actually having something with real fruit in it for the first time Ooh, in, in years. Uh, it's uh, it's a smoothie. It's got uh, strawberries in it. There's some bananas in it. There is two cans of sugar-free Red Bull in it, but but I really want to stress the fact that there is some real fruit in there, and it's not just a Monster fruit, Energy wait, fruit. F R O O T fruit. Yeah. Like yeah, it's a synthesized fruit. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's grown in a lab. There's squares, but but you know, I'm I'm making an effort. Awesome. Well, I am drinking my fresh, clean Canadian H2O, and I have it in my Camelback sport bottle to make myself feel like I went to the gym this morning, which I didn't. Uh, But uh, yeah, I'm always drinking water, Kevin. This is the thing because you have to drink more water. Mm -hmm. You should be drinking water. I don't know what you're drinking over there, Kevin, but I recommend some water. I do. I do a lot of water. I've cut out soda from my life, which is very nice. Um, Doesn't that feel good? So I'm either iced tea. Either iced tea or water is is my, but I don't do coffee. I've, I've never, I never have coffee. That's hmm. Chewy, what I just crazy finished... yogi are you drinking? <laughs> I actually just finished uh, my Mighty Light Leaf Organic Matcha, and I've moved on to actually the Hotel Sparkling Water, which I always Very nice. on ice in a uh, glass because sustainability. Very nice i noticed that your drink is so complicated that you have a cue card for it i have to read it i because i want to get those i want to get those sponsors those tea sponsors 
So Mighty Leaf, drink it. It makes you smarter. Oh shit! <laughs> I want to. I want to be a NASCAR style guy with a bunch of different Monster Energy drink uh, stickers on me wherever I go, just so on I can. Your, on your jacket. Can you imagine, yeah. like, on your fire suit? A Vembrew, sponsored by Monster. <laughs> you keep drinking okay. that, Nick. You're going to need a helmet, so it's probably not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what I'm doing to my insurance premiums by broadcasting the fact that I consume garbage at this volume, but I'm sure they're listening. So, <laughs> listening, going into, we have Speaking about health. health. <laughs> Speaking. Exactly. Today's topic, we are going to be discussing duty of care, which is awesome, really intriguing. I think this is um, going to be a great conversation that we're about to have with Kevin. And so, duty of care, what does that mean, first off, to each and every single one of us? Kevin, I'll let you start. Sure. So duty of care is actually a, a legal term and, and duty of care um, and it's global. Um, it can it means different things in different countries, but the, the concept is relatively the same. Um, we each have in whatever we're attempting to do, be it you build a house, be it you're a doctor doing a brain operation, be it you manufacture a car or you do an event. Um, you have a responsibility to ensure it's a legal responsibility that um, while performing and, and here's a sort of the definition if I were to read it off uh, it, it requires an, an adherence to a standard of reasonable care while performing any acts that could foreseeably harm others um, and so um, you have to show if, if someone's going to get you on you neglected your duty of care that there was an actual legal duty of care that you had for people um, and that it was breached and that in doing that um, that you actually had some kind of relationship to, to what actually occurred. And so so that you know if we were to be very technical, that is where we start from. And the question becomes is are the things we're designing, are we seeing, are we, are we taking into effect the notion of a duty of care when we're bringing people into, let's say, an event? Um, you know, what is seen as putting people at harm in a foreseeable way? Do we like do we flying that? Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. <laughs> shaking hands. I was going to say, like, shaking hands is one thing, but like flying uh, 500 people to an island with no uh, running water. Or um, you know, out in the elements, uh, extreme elements at times, and not feeding them for days. Um, is that one care physical harm? Um, so when we're talking about this duty is my, of care, yeah. is it are we just talking about um, keeping somebody physically safe, or does it go does it go beyond that? Could it go to mental? Is what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Does, does case course, law speak yeah. to a mental? Uh, care of duty um so not being an attorney this probably should be said like 500 times during this talk <laughs> yeah. during not every being one an of attorney, our podcasts yeah 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 um i couldn't i couldn't tell you whether or not um you know the notion of your mental well-being is something i mean there is um it's gotta be precedent know, right blunt trauma is the easiest thing to understand so physical damage is obviously the the easiest um so 
does somebody get PTSD if they attend something? Where, so I, I actually attended Burning Man. No way. When? Recently, too. Not what? like in the 70s. Are you changed? Recently, I, I, was, you I was way too old. It's way well, too old. Yeah. Speaking of PTSD and your experience there. Yeah. Jeez. We witnessed somebody dying. Um, we witnessed somebody killing themselves in in the in the Burning Man. Um, no. That person, uh, we don't know what they were on or why they decided to do it, but they broke through the chain of basically non-security is the only way to describe it. Um, and th- passed firefighters and tossed himself into the burning down man. Now, duty of care for that person, duty of care for everyone who witnessed a self-immolation, PTSD, duty of care. Um, these are these are tough discussions as to, um, you know, is somebody going to see someone having a mental breakdown and run and throw themselves after they run past a hundred people? who are trying to create a human chain. And then there's a group of firemen, probably 30, which is nowhere near enough to create a chain around this giant thing. But um, I know one that was there. That's a fireman. Actually, he's yeah. this is 10 years of doing it. And uh, he's, uh, he's had some conversations with me about that. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. So what is the litigation that's happening with that? I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but that, that it would be an example of both physical for some and, and mental for for others. Um, See, I look at emotional too. I mean, so like, I, I I've looked at comic cons in the last because I've said this a couple times. I, I've been going to them for almost, geez, almost thirty years, uh, and the the scale at which they're at are just absurd now, right? They're huge. They used to be these little shows and it was, you know, in the dank basement and you just you somebody rolled into town and they sold you books you didn't have and you traded some and now they're multicultural pop culture um, celebrations of community and identity and they're just big with that comes everything that is big large scale and they have these lists when you come in about emotional safety Uh, many of them do i know reeds do Uh, and with that it talks about you know touching and and consent and it talks about things you say and things you don't say uh, and you know, again, I, the legal, the legal ramifications of it, like I, I just read something not too long ago about the idea of, uh, zero tolerance and how like zero tolerance for kicking people out is a, is a bad legal concept, uh, because it makes for fast decisions, which could have, uh, you know, effects, especially in the business community on tossing somebody, uh, who could then come and sue you. And there's all these precedents, but r- regardless of how far you enforce it, um, I, I look at it less about the idea of the leg- legality of it, mostly because I'm in, in the role of a strategist, so I don't have to worry about it, uh, and more about what our kind of equivalent to doctors' Hippocratic oath is. You know, like that's that's the mandate I would look at of of do no harm, and and make that as broad as possible. Yeah, um, and and reasonableness is is one of the bigger words that's involved with this so so there was this notion uh there's a couple of articles and, and i'll have to pull them up but one one dealt with a meeting planner group of salespeople, mexico um opening night uh adults formal 
formal proceedings were over, group goes out to a tequila bar, not a mezcal bar. Tequila, well, <laughs> technically a mezcal bar. Who starts tequila? Okay, good. <laughs> and uh, you're going to have to listen to a different episode to understand that <laughs> comment. Um, but Call one back. guy does something like 22 shots and alcohol poisoning the like like uh, hospital rush ambulance rush the meeting planner for that decided my entire week is going to be spent with this person in the hospital because of this notion of due diligence and reasonable reasonable duty of care where you know could we get sued because we were not overlooking and overseeing and put somebody in a place that this could happen that whether that's fair or not that was the reaction that this meeting planner had another example was oh here's a tour it was in palm springs and it was a tour and you took a funicular car to the top of a mountain and then you walked around the little slight rocky terrain wilderness you know there were paths and a, and a tour and three people decided we're going to explore on our own and nobody knew that they didn't come down the funicular at the end of the night and of course those mountains get freezing cold and now there's a search party and they can't find them and for two days those people are lost what is the duty of care for that process and what is reasonable and so these are just like some of the things we have to to grapple with is how much handholding and how many how many uh, uh, boundaries do we have to put around people? How many fences do we need to put in to say we have reasonably um, ensured people aren't have not come to harm? Do we feel like the um, responsibility of duty of care is starting to increase? Um, do we feel like our industry is being held to task with the duty of care more so than it did in the past? I, I think, think so. litiga litigation is making it that. I think that um, the sheer number of people suing over things is um, is is big. And for, for some totally rational and reasonable and others completely not rational and reasonable but the more that it happens the more that organizations and their legal departments and the insurance companies mm -hmm. want to push it on to somebody else and the one thing that's very difficult for our industry is that um, we are at the center of everything we are mm -hmm. the, the center of the spokes in the wheel um, we probably on any program touch absolutely everything or have at some point made a decision about something. And so while you could say, hey, we didn't, you know, not put the mayonnaise out in our little desert picnic in not in a cooler or refrigerator and it spoiled and, and 30 people came down with an illness and had to go to the hospital in execution. But somebody might say, why are you serving mayonnaise? Uh, mm -hmm base sandwiches out in the desert um you're you probably have a design impact um on on literally just about everything and so in the notion of get to everyone to find fault chances are you've probably got the most in your hands of fault um rightly or wrongly so 
So someone's going to come after you regardless. Do we feel like our industry is um, educated and prepared enough for uh, managing the duty of care of not just our actions, but as we hire suppliers, um, do we have the, as a general rule, do we have the, the, the knowledge and the experience to do the jobs that we're doing? Maybe Tui, that would be a good one for you because I mean, that's, that's what you do is you hire people and put them in a place and then put your guests in front of them. Yeah, I think, well, these examples i'm like waivers so when i'm designing experiences i feel like one of the things that we say as an industry all the time is we're not brain surgeons we're not saving lives but when you are when you are designing and thinking and and sharing ideas one i would assume you would have to think it's is it logistical soundly sound can this actually be executed and executed properly. And then the other thing is, it goes alongside of the safety and security that I think a lot of times we're thinking, oh, creative, but we're also thinking, okay, in the mass shooting you know, uh, episode that we did, we're also responsible for our guests and their their safety, their well-being and, and caring for them. So is there anything intentionally that when we're planning this, we're thinking about all, all realms of things, including making sure that we're caring for their well-being. I think this plays a lot into F&B because there's so many dietary restrictions and um, legally, like when we're, we're not going to, if someone announces that they have a certain allergy, I mean, it's not my intention to serve them something with it. So we are, I think we're also as, as an industry thinking about, okay, well, what's the backup? So what are we doing? What's plan A, B, C, D, E. So I think all those things need to come into play. I also think like, there's a lot of education, but a lot of it, unfortunately, fortunately, is the experience. You have there's a lot of things that I'm I'm constantly learning, being on site or things of that nature. And so, are we educated? I would hope so. Um, I would hope that's why I feel like those destinations and the, um, mm-hmm. all the accreditations are really important to to know. Um, you need to get, understand the bigger picture, whether you are let's say AV or entertainment or not you should have the knowledge to keep people safe and to really care for their well-being so I don't know, yeah I, my, my thoughts there nick what do you think i, I like the, the the simplicity of uh to borrow from another industry first do no harm right so mm-hmm. if you want to design if you want to change behaviors if you want to be creative cool in the face-to-face space first to do no harm. So that's a pass-fail. It's a core competency um, before you get to do the other stuff. So I think that like that needs to be something that we all understand that is, you know, a, a, a barrier. Um, but I, I look at, you know, advertising and, and it's all those different forms, especially like div- digital advertising. And I think of like how easy they have it. I mean, no, no one is ever died because a Facebook ad, you know, wasn't placed right. Or, uh, and I think of other places that CMO dollars can go, right? Um, like the good news of what events offer to change behaviors for, like, let's say brands is that we have the ability to do it deeper because it's human. The, the, the pay the piper aspect of that is that we have to be able to at least cover all the human things first before we get to do that. So like I, I look at like, you know, 
what makes us different, why you should invest more with uh, live events. I, I have to think about all the different ways that live events can produce amazing results. But I also think of all the liabilities and risk and know that like you, you pay more to, uh, you know, do something to be able to have a team that is less likely to uh, transgress in those ways. Um, so I, I think that like, no, I don't think we're trained enough because I don't think anyone's trained enough. Like doctors aren't trained enough. They, they don't, they're never done. They're always learning. But I don't think that we're always learning in this core competency. I think that there's a point, and maybe this is anecdotal, but uh, I think there's a point where most of us get either certified in something if it's something that we, you know, touch directly uh, or we don't at all, but we just have, you know, we just rely on, you know, being around for a long time. But I don't think there's a budget set aside for duty of care umbrella of safety uh, for attendee safety that would happen annually like someone else who is in charge and has the responsibility of people's lives in their hands. Maybe I'm wrong. I love that you say like first first do no harm. Kevin, is there anything else that would help the the industries, the our industry and our event professionals like? incorporate more duty of care making it a bigger priority for us well one of the so 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 there's two there's probably two sides of this coin and and to answer dustin's question from way back was um you could answer probably easily yourself dustin you say how many times have you had this conversation mm -hmm. and that would let you know whether or not you, you we are or we aren't as an industry it almost never happens safety and security comes up post all the time creativity and design comes up pre all the time because we dig it we love mm -hmm. it we get into it and no one wants to deal with shit that scares us sorry well safe, safety and security are, are topics that you'll find at any of our industry conferences they'll show up in our in our designation but what doesn't but and it is a and it is small and I don't think it's as sexy and as well attended. But what doesn't come up is what temperature does mayonnaise turn at to go back. Right. It does, though, for serve safe well, it does for 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 You know, like I used to literally have to know uh, and take tests, you know, every few years on where you in, in a cooler, where you stack things in a certain heights, where the if, temperature. Sure. Yeah. But like if, if, if you're in food and beverage, you're having conversations about that. I come from a food and beverage background, sure. too. So I get that. But we're talking about the the producer's responsibility and what how much this producer needs to know so we're saying should the producer have known that you shouldn't have mayonnaise on the menu and my question is is like how far does this reach does the producer need to know every single little detail including that maybe not every yeah. single little detail but i think one of the things that doesn't so there's there's two two parts is there's there's the safety and security and then there's the legal right and those are two different so there's one is hey I, I want to make sure nothing happens to anybody just because I want to be a safe person, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to put people at risk and be an asshole sure. in some way, shape, or form. And then there's, if I'm doing something, can I at least go, ah, not my fault. It happened, but I get to step away. So those are the two things. I don't think we talk to our attorneys nearly enough. I agree. I, I don't even think our attorneys half the time know what we do. I agree. Right? I constantly am asking like my insurance company, like, this doesn't seem like you're charging me enough, even though they charge a lot. But it's like, you know, we might shoot shit off. We might we might explode stuff on site. Um, we have a 30-foot flame um, that's about to get turned on from natural gas with the fire department there. Uh, are we covered? Um, mm -hmm. 
But on the legal side, I think we don't have nearly enough conversations. On the safety and security side, I think, one, we don't have enough people on our own staff to know certain standards of safety and, and protocols. Even if it's not, do you know what temperature mayonnaise turns at? Is it, did somebody have a conversation with their supplier where the header of that conversation is, we're going to, I want to do a check down of, could this, are we putting anybody at risk with this? Mm-hmm. And let them say, yeah, I think this could be bad or no, this, this is, this is perfectly fine. Right. Um, oh, the food's going to be sitting in hot boxes for five hours because you guys decided to have it in the middle of a parking lot. No good. Right. Um, what are the risks? And then you have that conversation with them as opposed to you having to know everything, but just the notion of having that conversation, um, you know, that, that when that, when that, um, uh, horrific, uh, wind storm came through with, in Indiana at the, at the state fair and that the entire stage set came down, all the rigging and you know, just the notion of asking people about rigging where something goes 10 feet in the, once you're, once you're past 10 feet, are you talking to anybody about, what is the safety behind this? Is there any anything at risk with being this heavy, this high? Uh, how are you planning on doing outriggers or base weights or whatever? Um, I don't think we have those conversations enough. I think we simply assume mm-hmm. and that someone else is paid to take care of it. And that's where things need to shift in our industry. I think that cross-conversations need to happen a lot more on safety it's almost never it's almost never on a a an agenda pre-con talk through. what's on almost the never. macro what's stopping the event industry I, I shouldn't even say that we i can think we know what's stopping it it's it's not fun and it's not sexy and it's scary what is who who is in the best position to make a large scale change not this not the change of everyone listening to this do better yourselves but what body, what what types of groups are in the best position to create change um, that would beget a safer event industry uh, with less um, vulnerabilities? I mean, I, I think association is going to be the easy one, but mm-hmm. but how is it is it anyone else's interest not at a large scale and what would be the vehicle in your belief that would that would actually overcome the it's not fun it's not sexy and it's scary so i think i think there's probably three places that it could start one is is that it can be pushed out by the industries that demand it right so there's demanding there's we are going to coerce you to do it so insurance legal um, effective, probably not. In fact, they probably don't even know how scary some of the stuff we are actually doing is. <laughs> I agree. They, they would, they would have a, a shit fit. Uh-huh. Um, there are, let's say, influencers, right? So there are groups or people. If if you started with places where somebody who says something suddenly makes it the thing to do. And then everybody starts doing it. Uh, you know, if you have your tastemakers in the social market start talking about safety, um, then you, you, you might naturally follow that. Um, if you were to have 
a third place that potentially can get somebody to do something without saying, isn't this smart? Shouldn't we just be doing it? It's actually something that, that Tui brought up uh, when she said, well, I started in hospitality. It's what I began with. And so it's what I know. Um, so universities are the first places that need to have uh, as a mandate their instruction on um, safety and security and risk management uh, in their programs. Um, years ago, ILEA tried to get their education committee to have one of its buckets be um, a university uh, curriculum development. I don't know how far along that's gotten. I don't think it's gotten very far, but the industry needs to be having the people who first come out have one of their thoughts be, what are the safety ramifications of this? What? It just, it, and, and once it's once it's there in the beginning, I mean, if you think about kids who grew up with, with smartphones, cameras on them, their whole world is constantly thought of, what's the best way to get a picture, right? It's their first thought. It's, it's innate in their thinking of, what can be done where this, whatever's happening can be sent to whatever? It's because they started with it. Um, it's harder to it's harder to backfill. Um, so I think that that would be the third, but probably the most ground-shaking location since there's such a proliferation of university classes on live experiences now. So, Are there any event safety awards that exist in the industry that you're aware of? Ooh. That would be good. I don't know. I doubt it. I, I just think that like that's telling almost, right? Like there there's literally like best wedding between, you know, a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand on a yacht or you know, like they're so specific and and also like right. steeped in my opinion in like uh, just frivolous frivolous subjectivity. Right? I see that constantly and i have like a whole list of litany of pro problems i have with event awards in general but like that to me sounds like a meaningful award that could happen at the local international or national awards that would at least get you know i'm not saying it's the silver bullet but it, it i think it's more indicative of a, a cultural problem that that hasn't at least in none of our experiences come up yeah i mean you know, who knows who won best documentary, even though those take incredible amounts of skill mm -hmm. and multiple, multiple years and done on much smaller budgets um, and probably mean more about filmmaking and, and storytelling than a big CGI shoot 'em up does. Um, you know, it, it would it would still suffer and it, it would still dwell in the, in the bottom feed of something like that. But you're right. Um, the notion of celebrating excellence in that is it lets you know that um, the excellence is do. something that is exists right it's not it's not just this yeah. unsexy unfun thing it's like we had logistical challenge and it, it, it couldn't i mean it could easily fall into the the best you know logistical you know uh, uh i don't know mm -hmm. adaption right where but it have to be literally about safety in some fashion I, i'm just inspired recently by mm -hmm. Um, the uh, event industry news and uh, uh, putting on the uh, sustainability awards um, or event, event uh, sustainability awards uh, coming up soon. And uh, like, I was like, oh yeah, why hasn't that existed already? And like, why aren't we celebrating that more than anything? I'm like, yeah. oh, like we, 
I don't know. I, I like tune out when I'm sitting at event industry awards events, like for the most part, like I just don't, I don't really, it's just boring to me until I get to the point where that someone's like talking about their like philanthropy or something that they do that actually had some kind of, uh, I don't know, impact be- beyond like spent clients money. Well, and like, I, I'm really just a big fan of anything that like shows that that could, the change could come from it. Right. Like from experiencing the awards, otherwise just, you know, you got you got your reward you got paid you know you get more business out of it i want i want something with a bigger impact so i don't know i i think stuff we should if you're going to be a change maker i think we need to come back with you know more than just like create a better session for this stuff i was going to say admi does an excellence award and it's excellence in risk and crisis management Hmm. i feel like that would be the closest that's cool category that's fantastic all right i mean that's that's exactly It could be crisis response. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, safety design. It could, you know, but that that's the the barrier is so low now. Like, is I, I to be able to produce awards, quote unquote. Like, I I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a judge on as many as people will have me on because I learn a ton that way. Because you get to see budgets and behind the scenes stuff that you don't get to see, you know, in case studies. So I like being an awards judge, and I can tell you that like the digital awards things that exist where you don't, I mean, not to, you know, not have a live event, but I'm just saying like the barriers for that, like anyone could produce a, you know, uh, an excellence in event safety awards. And in fact, like, I think an association that were to pick that up would, would probably, you know, curry some favor as far as people who are paying attention to who's actually making a good impact. I'm on it now. I'm, I'm not saying that anyone here in the room is in a leadership position that has the ability to put this in front of it. But if there was, because I'm not, so uh, sorry. So my uh, so my company has a, a government recognized health and safety program um, that is extremely difficult to achieve and maintain. And it's, you know, for for those out there that are looking for a way to differentiate yourself or to have a competitive advantage, getting yourself into a proper government program and checking off all those boxes um, is a great way to do that. And and as far as my company goes, we we do operate at an exceptionally high level of um, safety and practices because of that program and we get external audits we have it is a tremendous amount of work and the and the return for us is that we get a um, a break on our workers compensation premiums so we because we are certified in this program our insurance um, is dropped quite drastically I will say that it doesn't equal what it costs us to run the program but um, I'm definitely not doing it for the money savings it, it, it definitely does help um, and I, I I don't know what how that works in in America and the program that we are a part of is uh, provincial so I have to assume that state by state these programs exist and these government incentives to put together a strong health and safety culture and program exist oh no <laughs> you talk about the, wild, the literal wild wild west here in the u.s and government um government intervention is not a it's not a thing i mean private private capital might your insurance company might say if you do this we'll give you a break but free market baby doesn't drive yeah free market sorts we're it all working out. in our our governments are and, and I, I do believe that alberta um, which is the province that I live in, which for you Americans would be like your state. 
Um, <laughs> I like to dummy everything down for the Americans, Thanks, Kevin. Just, I mean, Canada is yeah, a country that. <laughs> Canada is a country. Like Africa. <laughs> Just yes. like an Asian. Yes. Yeah. America's yeah. hat. Um, America's hat. Um, America's brain. Um, oh. America's two. Um, you guys made me lose my train of thought. Oh, so um, there is a long range plan for every business to be a part of a certified health and safety program. And that is the long term goals for the program that I'm in. Um, so I'm very happy that I've already done it and I'm not going to be one that has to be forced into it but um, but over time it is going to be a requirement and having a core certified plan shows up on RFPs when I approach a core certified company which because we're so heavy in oil and gas they all are um, it makes a big difference when you can talk the same language and you can understand that we've all been trained on the same platform there's no event safety certificate it is a industry or it's a it's a um, a province-wide certification and everybody practices the same practices, our forms look the same, the way we do um, an on-site uh, evaluation is the exact same that they use in heavy industry. And what what that does is over time, it gets everybody on the same playing field. So where I think this conversation about health and safety needs to go is it needs to go to our governments to step in and help regulate a program that we're all a part of and not everybody going out and making their own programs because that's where we end up in kind of our our last conversation that we had with Kevin about is there an events industry and if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to it but that having some regulatory and having somebody looking at it and making it the same for everybody is going to be really important in this conversation or you just watch every association is going to create their own shitty safety designation where you can go online and answer 20 questions and all of a sudden now you're certified to be safe that's not that's not going to be good enough for us yeah yeah and you know it, 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 i think why people don't do this enough is again it's sort of that capitalistic notion of efficiencies like let's get it done and do the least amount of movement to practically supply an event and over arching safety considerations just they're not part of the checkbox they don't have to be part of the checkboxes to get it done and so i think that's why they don't often fall in the checkboxes to get it done everything we've done so far is probably done because um, somebody said it has to be done mm -hmm. or something's happened yeah so i think you're right mm -hmm. well on that note kevin thank you so much for coming and speaking with us on these really interesting topics. It's it's really great. The collaboration and then also just to learn and get another insight. So thank you so much as we drink our our drinks. Uh, yeah, I so, feel inspired now to have yeah. a brew. Uh, uh, <laughs> a coffee in the morning or a yeah, monster maybe. energy drink. <laughs> I don't know if, you, if if you've never done the caffeine. I don't think you should start now. I think you've got enough energy to to get you through the day. Oh, I totally think it's uh, it's a slippery slope to you where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, it's a slippery slope before you're you're drinking fruit and Red Bull like Nick. Two Red Bulls and some fruit. That's a good breakfast, I think. Oh my goodness! All right, kids, yeah. let's wrap this up. Yes. Also, thank you, Nick. Thank you, Dustin, for always being on. 
for our brewers please go to eventbrew.com that's where you can see our show notes links to all the resources that we spoke about transcripts and all the links to subscribe and then of course rate and review us on apple podcast pocket cast google play spotify things of that nature i have no idea oh <laughs> nick is just distracting me over here and then this will help us a ton with uh people coming into this community and of course we want to know what you think what do you think about duty of care is there anything else what's at stake things of that nature please let us know we love to continue the conversations with fellow event professionals after these go live and of course how you find us eventbrew at helloendless.com if you want to shoot us an email or just hashtag eventbrew on any social platform we're all on those and we respond to you and of course just thank you for listening each week and until next time bye bye team thank you bye thanks again for listening to eventbrew be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app also be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode see you next time on a vent roof.